Well, hi, guys. Alex McDonald, joined by Daniel Munoz. What's up, Danny? Nothing, Al. How you doing? I'm doing all right. I got you zoomed in way too much there. Bear with me a second. That's on me. That's that's uh, my bad. I know you hate that. I, I had you perfectly for this scene. Listen, we had technical issues right before the show. I say we. Skype had technical issues right before the show, and I had to do some adjusting. However, it's still 10 times better than Jeremy's interview with Steven Crowder looked. Did you happen to see that? Yes. What an unprofessional shit show. But whatever. Not everybody can be, not everybody can do this. Right. This badly. It's good to be back. What is it? Consistently. Consistently. It is Monday, March 20th. 2023 we have a lot to talk about tonight first though are we are we actually live on rumble i don't know if we are or not we might be if we're live on on rumble if we're live on rumble folks go into the live chat section rather than the comments don't know why there's two sections but there is go into the live chat section so that it uh, comes through to the live chat and uh, hopefully you will end up over here where we can say hi and trigger some comments like that. Let's see. Who do we have that's uh, that's here? A lot of people watching on Facebook. Say hi in the chat if you are. There's Jake. What's going on, brother? He's, hey he's watching on YouTube. Uh, Joy is here. Hey, Joy. Hello, sister. Thank you for being nice, here. Marcus. Do what? Nothing. Go ahead. Uh, Peggy Brown is here. What's up, Peggy? Hey, Peggy. Good to see you. Bill Campbell's here. What's up, Bill? Thank you for being hey, here. Bill. There's Janine. Hi, Janine. Thank you hey, for coming Janine. back. And uh, that's everyone that said hi so far. So uh, we will bring in their highs as we as we move on through the show. We've got a lot to talk about tonight, Danielle. A lot has been going on. There's Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Hey, Mitch. Um, Mitch, how's your mom doing? I, I know that she... Uh, Mitch is a former colleague of mine and his mom used to be, uh, used to be effectively my boss. Uh, Joanne ran the entire show, did HR was, was the office cracked the whip. And, uh, Joanne had a, an accident recently and she was in hospital. And from oh, what no, I understand, I, well. I, I, I really hope she's well, from what I understand, she is doing well and she's coming Good. out of hospital and she'll be staying with Mitch for a while. And uh, our thoughts and prayers are with you there, brother. It's good to see you. It's good to see you here. Thank you for coming back. And uh, I hope Joanne's watching as well. And if you are, hi, Joanne, get well. Hey, Miss Joanne. Yes, please do get, get well. well. Canadian Bacon's Keep here. Alex in line because I got my hands full. Yeah. Canadian Bacon's here. Becky's bacon's here. here. And bake, Bacon's watching on Facebook. Makes me wonder if Rumble's having issues. I don't know. And it, We are live on Rumble. Okay, well, let's talk about that real quick because Crowder, Crowder came back today. And listen, first show back under a whole new infrastructure. I mean, this studio is still the same, but the rest of it, the streaming infrastructure and everything is brand new, right? It's uh, 
a, a deal with Rumble, which is linked back to Locals. Um, and it's a different system than we're using on Rumble and Locals. And I figured that out by looking at the URLs. I'm in Locals watching Stephen's show, and the URL is rumble.mugclub.com. So they've got some kind of back-end link going on. David David Foster uh, over at Redacted is going to do some looking into that for us. So that, um, oh, yeah, so hopefully we'll, be, uh, hopefully we'll be testing out the same thing. And I'll tell you what, it needs some testing because Crowder had two failed streams this morning. It was third time's a charm. And people were able to watch. And I want to say something that's going to be probably controversial. You remember when Crowder was negotiating his deal and he was all like, yeah, 350,000 subs. And, and we, we said, he doesn't know that he already told us he didn't know how many uh, subscribers he had on um, Mug mug club. Because the Blaze didn't give him access to that data, but he had told, we know from Jeremy that he had told Daily Wire it was going to be 350,000 day one. There were about 4,000 people watching on Locals today, and Locals is the paid end of this. However, however, because of this link-in they have with Rumble, I think that the 170,000 odd people that were watching live on Rumble, I think so. I think a lot of those are actually subscribers because halfway, uh, two thirds of the way through the show, he said, Hey, if you're watching on Rumble, just stay put. And if you're a subscriber, it will keep playing for you. Now, I don't know whether that worked because they gave the show for free to everyone yeah. today, but tomorrow, or whenever it looks it's free all this week. Yeah. I will know how many subscribers he has based on the number of people that keep watching. Right. Now I said, I think he'll be lucky to convert 10% of those 350,000, which would be 35,000. Um, and of those 35,000 every, any given day, maybe 10 or 20% will watch the live show. It's going to be somewhere between, I think it's going to be somewhere between three and 6,000 people. Right. He's going to grow. Don't get right. me wrong. He's going to grow. He's done it before. Yeah. But it, it took the Daily Wire years to get to where they are. And they're not at three. Well, what are they? Actually, they're at what? A million now? A million. Yeah. They're, they're over a, a million. million subs. So listen, I think Stephen will get there. Fair play to him. Today's show was good. Dave Landau isn't coming back. According to Dave, according to well, Crowder, he might be. Go on. Yeah, according to, they made it sound like he just had jury duty. Yes. But yeah, you and I saw Dave's video where he said, and my assumption, and I mean, I've been watching Dave Landau and his road um, schedule has become increasingly more intense. Right. And I assumed it was because he lost his regular paid gig, or at least it was put on the back burner and he's got bills to pay. Again, I don't know shit about fuck. I'm just assuming. Right, sure. But, I mean, we're all assuming, but, but Dave yeah. said, Dave said it's because of his schedule and right. that's in no small part, you know, down to Steven Crowder. Right. The only, the reason you bought Dave Landau tickets is because you knew him from Crowder, right? Right. Yeah. Um, I hope Dave does 
is able to come back. I hope he is able to sit in because he's absolutely hilarious. And uh, I think that show needs him. It deserves him. Um, But yeah, Crowder's back. The technology needs some working on and hopefully we'll be uh, testing out that same system. Did you see the text that I sent you? What did it say? It was, uh, uh, you didn't respond. So I figured you didn't realize what it was. So I sent you a screen capture of an email that said it was about a a sale on Crowder Gear, and it said we're back. I did strange see it, animals. but I don't get it. I didn't enjoy twenty five percent off with the um the discount code Rumble. That's from that's Crowder Shop. That's from Louder with Crowder. That's Blaze TV. You and I've talked about this before because I asked you. I was getting because I'm the one that has bought you. Crowder merch. Crowder shit before. So I'm the one that's on their mailing list. Yeah. So while Crowder was building this new mug club thing, I kept getting like just flushed with these emails. Yeah, they're trying to close that. For Crowder shit. And I was like, that's awfully ballsy of Crowder to be trying to sell shit when he ain't got a show. And then all of a sudden it occurred to me, he didn't have access to mug club. He didn't have access to crowd, any of that. He didn't have my email through that. Right. That would be that Blaze, Blaze TV. sending out those emails. This is Blaze TV trying to like capitalize. I'm not even going to say take advantage of, but capitalize on right. Crowder being back and saying, we're back, bitches, big <laughs> sale, and use Rumble as their discount well, code. Well, no, I mean, so at this point, it's quite possible that that Crowder has control of Crowder Shop. And did you ever, did you ever add your email to the Mug Club Forever thing? I'm telling you, this is this is Blaze. This none of this okay. has changed. It's so, all the so same the stuff. So the Blaze is is trying. And it's to louder with Crowder. That's amazing. That was Blaze. If this were him doing this, he would have changed it to Mug Club. Um, no, because his show is still louder with Crowder. They've talked about that actually. Um, talked about the mugs because the mugs say louder with Crowder. And he said with these new creators coming on, he's saying, I, th- I th- we're probably just going to do generic mug club mugs because he doesn't want to send out a louder with Crowder mug. If, if people sign up on so- using somebody else's link, you know what I mean? Right. So I think they will do a generic mug club mug, but his show, he said this show, yeah, his show is always going to be louder with Crowder. But yeah, he hit some. Uh, he hit the old technological roadblocks today. Mm-hmm. But he's back. It was a good show, um, and we'll see what happens. New people coming on. I think it's. I think you disagree with me, but I think it's slightly disingenuous that he's still on YouTube after the. He said he would be, but they said on today's show that it may. I have a feeling it's just going to be this week. Because okay, well, okay. they did say the show is coming to an end on YouTube. But after I, the bitch fit that he pitched about right, right. all don't, of that. Yeah, don't be don't get, don't bitch at people yeah. on YouTube and still be on YouTube. Either have be a man of character or don't. Yeah. If you're not, then don't be. That's fine. But don't fucking act like you are and don't try to act like you're better than other people because you're this great man of character. And well, unfortunately now he's going to and I didn't want to get down into this rabbit hole folks, but it's it. No, it's fine. I started it. Um, it's easy for Crowder. I I've said this over and over. It's easy for Crowder to get off YouTube because he doesn't make any money off of YouTube. But for those creators that do, 
they make the bulk of their money off of YouTube. Well, and it'll be interesting to see if he does get off of YouTube because he gets a lot of exposure. I mean, I assume he still does. Mm -hmm. He did get a lot of exposure on YouTube. So he got a lot of viewers from YouTube. Yeah, and he addressed that today. He said, but now if you type in my name, you don't find anything. He said, so there, you know, the exposure doesn't matter. It's it's insignificant these days. There were about 170, 180,000 people watching on Rumble and about 20,000 watching on YouTube. They're moving. And he also, you know, he's, he was talking about Rumble's plans for the future and that Rumble is going, it's going to be a, uh, a real competitor to YouTube, so right. to speak. So listen, I'm excited about the direction of Rumble. I wish, I really wish all you folks who watch on Facebook, I really wish you would start to watch on Rumble because I, after all the years of being on Facebook and how many times have you been shocked that I've never gotten a warning or a ban or anything Every from, single time I get in any kind of trouble on, on Facebook, I'm like, how, how? I am currently under a warning from Facebook, and they've told me this warning will last for one year. This what the, did you the, do? I, I, I mean, I don't think it was that bad. All I said was, as long as truck drivers can tailgate me, I should be able to shoot them in the face. I think it's perfectly reasonable. I think that's perfectly fair trade-off. If you're in, if you're driving an 80-ton behemoth and you're three feet off of my bumper, knowing that you have no chance in hell of stopping and you're just going to drive over me and crush me, you are threatening my life. And therefore, I should be able to shoot you in the fucking face. And Facebook did not take kindly to that. So I'm under a, a one yeah. year warning. And uh, if I do, apparently if I do anything else in that year, I'm going to get a ban. So I wish all the folks watching on Facebook would migrate over to Rumble. Um, and, you know, I Wait, say. So if you get banned off Facebook, is TPS report off of I Facebook? I assume or? so. Yes. Because, you know, it's my it's linked to my account. So I have to be able to log in to be able to get to a TPS report. So yeah, after all the years of being able to, of saying the shit, I, the things I've said on Facebook. Dude, the <sighs> things you've said on Facebook, that's not even, like if we were to list them, that wouldn't even make top 25. Right? Yeah, it wouldn't, really wouldn't. No. But yeah, they, they've said it will be on my account for a year and that uh, basically I have to play nice on Facebook. And I'm sorry, that ain't going to happen. No. It just isn't. Anyway, let's move on. We got stuff to talk about. Talked about the financial crisis, and I'm sorry to everybody out there uh, about the financial. It's not my fault. I'm not taking responsibility for the financial crisis, but we are going to talk to you about it because, huh, kind of important. When we left off, Danielle, three banks had failed. And I said, this is just the beginning. I said, this isn't over. No matter what the administration's trying to tell you, no matter what the majority of the banking sector are trying to say, this isn't over. Credit Suisse, the big boys are in play now. Credit Suisse. Um, Credit Suisse was on the verge of collapse, Danielle. And UBS had to step in and buy it for pennies. 
$3.2 billion UBS bought Credit Suisse for in order to avoid a meltdown. There's number one. First Republic Bank. First Republic Bank had to be bailed out. But now, in this instance, the bailout came from personal, uh, from individual financiers and 11 other banks that got together, Danielle, in order to bail out First Republic Bank to avoid a collapse. This is a, again, we talked about liquidity and we talked about solvency. This once again is a liquidity issue. None of them are solvent. Very few of them are liquid. Very few of them are able to actually raise the money that they owe in debt. That's a very simplistic way of putting it. And it's starting to catch up to some of these banks because additional scrutiny is being put on these banks. Here's what happened. Three banks collapse and then investors start to look a bit deeper at the uh, the banks they're invested in or the places they're holding money. Right. And that's what happened with Credit Suisse. People started looking and realized, oh, this balance sheet, this balance sheet isn't good. Well, that's what happened with Silicon Bank or whatever the... Yeah, after, after Kramer ran his mouth. Started the whole thing. Hey, Be- Becky's over there on Rumble now. Thank you, Becky. Um, Thanks, Bacon. Yeah. And and I don't care. I'm glad that there's this level of scrutiny being put on the banks again because um, we, need to, we need to know that our banking institutions are stable, right? Because yes. at the end of the day, it's you and I that get screwed. We're, we're, we'll talk about winners and losers. In fact, I want right. I'm gonna I'm gonna play a, a clip from Tulsi Gabbard on Fox News, which isn't necessarily directly rated related to winners and losers, but it's her opinion of why we are where we're at, and we'll talk about it when we play the uh, the clip. Can I ask you a question? And you're welcome to put it on the back burner, but I would like for you to talk about it at some point, not necessarily now. So the thing that happened with Silicon Bank was um, because people got spooked and and there was a run on the bank, right? Yes. They started pulling their money out. Yes. Um, And it was because of the thing with Kramer, right? Like he brought brought attention attention to it. Yes. He brought attention to the bank. It, it highlighted the, that they were heavily, debted like that they were heavily in anyway um well there was a run on a bank they couldn't raise the capital because their their investments were underwater and that caused more panic so had that triggering incident not happened then and brought the whole house of cards to where it is now um do you think i mean would things have just continued on the way they they were or there would have been a triggering incident, right? Like eventually. Yeah, of course. Eventually. Yes. And, and they would have continued on the way they were because Bill. So Bill, I'm I'm going to, I'm going to address this. Bill says the regulations are in place. They're just not being enforced. And in a lot of instances, that's absolutely true. But in the instance that's taking down credit Suisse that took down SVB, that regulation isn't actually in place under Dodd-Frank. 
There is no requirement for banks to report unrealized losses. These are, so unrealized losses is an indicator that your bank is underwater, right? Remarkably or heavily underwater, depending on the amount of the debt. So that means that you paid more for something than it's worth now, right? So you're holding on to it. Yeah. And you haven't you, realized the loss because you haven't tried to. Exactly. Or it's going to cost you more to raise the capital to pay off that debt than the, than the, the capital than the asset is worth. But you haven't tried to make that move. So that exactly. loss hasn't been realized yet. But as soon as you do, it's going to be, it's going to happen. Exactly. Exactly. And they're not required to report unrealized losses. Now, unrealized losses can return into unrealized gains right. over time, depending on what the economy does. But in, in the case of SVB, because interest rates were so high, the the long term the, the treasuries that they had money in effectively cost them a shit ton of money when people said, we want our money back. Um, but yeah, because the regulations don't require them to report that up front, who knew there's a regulation that needs to change. Banks need to start reporting unrealized losses. Now, when we see how much debt these banks are actually holding, it's going to cause some concerns, but it needs to be done. That's why I said the question needs to be asked of all banks. Now, how much are you sitting on in unrealized losses? If there is a run on your bank, can you raise the capital to pay the debt, to pay what you owe? And I don't think any of them can, personally. Right. Maybe Bank of America. The only reason I say that is because Bank of America, of, of the banks in 2008, Bank of America appeared to be the most responsible. They're the, only, they're the bank that didn't need a bailout. They're the bank that refused bailout money, but the Fed said, you have to take it or we're going to put these, these restrictions on you. So they took the money, paid it back in less than a year, but they took the money to avoid uh, uh, some additional uh, scrutiny. So, you know, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say, okay, Bank of America may be sitting pretty. Um. I don't believe for a second that other banks are, which would explain 11 of them getting together to bail out uh, to bail out First Republic so that another bank doesn't collapse and put their banks under more scrutiny. Right. So, yes, while there are a lot of regulations in place that certainly aren't being enforced, we also we also need additional regulations. <sighs> But we're a, we're a finance economy, Danielle. We're not a manufacturing economy. We're a finance economy. And we make, our, we make our living off of being the world's reserve currency and people investing in the U.S. dollar. And my, Sorry. Go ahead. Just added to what you were saying that uh, both M&T Bank and Key Bank were top five banks that did not need bailouts in mm -hmm. 09 and 10. Yeah, there were, there were some institutions that acted response or appeared to act responsibly. That's what we need across the entire financial sector. Right. But we're a finance-driven nation now. Um, I, don't, uh, I don't know how we avoid 
situations like this. So given that, given that we don't know how to avoid situations like this, or I, I don't know how we will ever avoid situations like this, what are the lessons we can learn? Well, we were supposed to have learned lessons from 2008. Right. And I think after all the bailouts were done, I think it was a general consensus that, hey, we shouldn't have bailed out the banks. We should have let them fail. Both Republicans and Democrats have said that. We should have let them fail. We're repeating the mistakes of 2008. Granted, in one instance here, two instances, I guess, UBS buying up Credit Suisse, 11 banks stepping in to bail out First Republic, it's not necessarily hitting the public sector as hard as it did back in 2008, but this is exactly how it went in 2008. There were deals being brokered to try to save Lehman Brothers. You recall? Yes. Banks trying to get together to be able to bail out Lehman. At the end of the day, most of these banks were in the same position, and all they were doing ultimately was transferring bad debt from one place to another. Right. Robin Peter to pay Paul, yeah. Right. So of these 11 banks that injected 30 billion, 30 billion in what? 30 billion in what? Right. And and of that 30 billion, how many of those investments are unrealized losses that have that now appear as capital on a balance sheet but aren't actually capital? And because there's no requirement to report it, First Republic could very well have just been bailed out with more bad debt. Water. And we would never know. Right. We would never fucking know. It's amazing. Let's listen to Tulsi Gab. Well, actually, before we listen to Tulsi, because that's going to take us down a different path, let's talk about what's next. Now, this isn't me. This is from Business Insider, and we're going to go through some of this. Investors will be watching two big themes in the market over the next few days to understand how the banking crisis is going to play out. The takeaway from that sentence, by the way, Danielle, is that doesn't matter what the government tells you, doesn't matter what the banking system, uh, uh, industry tells you. It matters what investors see. And it, right. that's what matters. On Sunday, Credit Suisse said that as part of the rescue deal, the Swiss regulator requires almost $17 billion of the lender's so-called additional tier AT1 debt to be written down to zero. This is a bank that just got bought out for $3.2 billion, Danielle. $3.2 billion, pennies on the dollar. In addition to that, they're going to write they're going to write off $17 billion of additional tier one debt. That's going to spook some fucking investors right there because that's just going to be the beginning. You wait when they start digging deeper and find all the unrealized losses at 17 billions going to climb. It appears to have spooked investors and has led to a sell-off in other bank debt and that's weighed on the share prices. Russ Mould, investment director at AJ Mould said in a research note on Monday morning. <clears throat> 
Monday morning. It means that the banking crisis we've seen over the past few weeks has started a new chapter rather than reaching its ending. I said it's just the beginning. These problems compound themselves. It's like a snowball. You start looking somewhere. Investors have to be able to take their money somewhere, right? People want to be able to take their money from somewhere that's risky and put it somewhere that they would hope or believe is going to be less risky. Not necessarily safe, but less risky. Investors are finding right now that less risky is hard to come by. And the snowball effect is picking up. This isn't the, this isn't the last go on. Well, and you got to think these guys, these, these investors, these people that run these big institutions don't do these things in a vacuum. Right. Each of them knows what the others are doing to, to fund their investments in this economy. They're trading with each other. They know exactly what the others are doing. They're trading with each other. And they're copying each other's habits and their patterns. So what one of them is doing, maybe not all of them are doing, but many of them are doing. Guaranteed. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a guarantee. We know that to be true. We know, we know who they're trading with. We know who they're doing their deals with. We know the money that's changing hands. We know the assets that are changing hands. What we don't know is the one critical piece of information, the actual realized value of those assets. That's what we don't know. Like I said, that 30 billion that went into, went into first Republic. How good is that 30 billion? Right. I think we'll find out over the coming weeks. I think we'll find that 30 billion is just the beginning. And for Credit Suisse, writing off 17 billion in, in, in a people's, that's people's investments that they've been told you need to, you need to wipe that off your books. So this people's money is just gone? Yeah, not wipe it off your books by making it good and selling it and paying back your investors. Just wiping off AT1s like they never existed. The same way the United States prints money and the same way the United States have promised to print as much money as necessary to, to shore up the banking system. That's not how you build an economy. We learned that lesson in two thousand. Well, we were supposed to have we learned were taught that, that lesson. lesson. Yeah. Whether we learned it or not is yet we to were, be, I mean, I think is being seen. Yeah. It's Hey, it's, Katie Manry's here. Hey, Katie, hey, my Katie, mom is here. And hey, your y'all. mom's here. Yeah. It's, it's far from over. Let's put it that way. Let's see what Tulsi had it to say. It seems as if the little guy, if you will, always is responsible for the big guy. The big guy always gets the preferential treatment, whether it's bailing out a Chinese investor, whether it's the community banks paying in special assessments that bail out Silicon. This goes directly to us, by the way. I said we're the ones that get screwed. They pick and choose the winners. The winners will be the fat cats. The winners will be the bank CEOs that get their multi-million dollar bonuses. Why is that? 
There's this revolving door, and Kaylee, I know you're very, very familiar with, where constantly we see how, for example, members of Congress who are supposed to be regulating big pharma don't, and then they go and leave Congress and get a big payout from big pharma. We see it with the military-industrial complex. Uh, Secretary Austin, then General Austin, retires from the military, goes and works for Raytheon, now goes back as a secretary of defense, and seeing the billions of dollars that is going towards the military-industrial complex. We see that with these financial regulators, people who are in positions to actually do their job to protect the little guy, to protect our small and community banks. But instead, what are they doing? They're looking for that payout where they can go and work for the big banks that they are allowing uh, off the hook. It's this incredible abuse of power that that voids that 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 trust that that you're talking about here, uh, and and it's frankly this is the thing that needs to be fixed. Uh, the level of trust in institutions is remarkably low. Yeah, there is. I, you know, for me, I think one of the only institutions that I think we can trust right now is the the Supreme Court, serving as a check on on a lot of this abuse of power. Uh, but ultimately, what it comes down to, the only one that we can really trust uh, is God. And and yeah. once again, our, our founders that. really recognize this and put these systems in place specifically uh, for we the people to ensure that this country belongs to us. Do you think it's doing damage, the fact that we are erasing broadly God out of a society in a way perhaps our founders never intended? There's no question about it, Kaylee. You see this erosion of this spiritual foundation of our country uh, as a direct consequence of those who are trying to erase God from from just about every facet of our public lives. This is one of the main reasons why I chose to leave the Democratic Party, because I saw increasingly how not only were they trying to erase God from uh, or, or any mention of God or, uh, you know, attacking people of faith, attacking people of spirituality, especially Christians, you see these attacks and you see the consequences yeah. in the direction, unfortunately, that much of our, our country is headed in and the damage it's causing to families, to children, so to true. our communities. Um, to, to our policymakers, many of whom think that they are God and are trying to control us in every possible way. Now, I'm not a, I'm not a person, I'm not a man of faith. I'm not a person of faith. And so some might be thinking, well, that was weird. Why would you want to play that? You're probably sitting there thinking that was weird. Why would you want to play that? Because right now we're on the brink of financial Armageddon. I have absolutely zero faith in this administration. I have precisely zero faith in the Democrat Party, and I have less than zero faith in the Republican Party to do what's right to fix this, Danielle. And I got to have faith in something. Now, I'm not saying all of a sudden I'm, I'm going to start believing in God and go to church and, and be a righteous man, but what I'm saying is we've got to have faith in something right now. One thing I have faith in is the fact that at least Tulsi Gabbard, if not both of them, knew that our founding fathers came here to find religious freedom because they were having religion shoved down their throats and they came here to get away from that. Mm -hmm. So they did not come here to find a society on religion. They came here to find a, found a society on religious freedom. Right. And well. Let's not drag ourselves down that rabbit hole, but I think that people in positions of any sort of leadership and any sort of power need to be exceptionally careful when they make faith-based claims. 
Because while it is absolutely your right to make that claim, I think that you have to be very careful about how coercive power can be. And yeah, I just, I think you just have to be really careful. Well, what would you say to someone like me, someone who isn't religious, never really has been, but someone who right now, right now, I find myself, I don't want to say lost, but right now I find myself at a, what I think will ultimately end up being a critical junction in my life because I'm almost absolutely certain of what is coming. And I have no faith in the institutions that were designed and put in place to protect us. And I'm absolutely certain that, that people like me, me, people like me are going to be experiencing an awful lot of fucking pain in the coming years, months, if not years, quite frankly. And, um, I mean, as a person of faith, I do believe that, you know, that a, a believe in, in the Lord and that, you know, the love of Jesus is the answer. But I mean, I believe that, I mean, I think that that's like a personal answer. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, for me, that is the answer. And that, I mean, things are fucking scary and they're going to get a whole lot worse before they get any better. And, you know, changes need to happen in order for things to get better. And we've talked about how those positive changes happening are really unlikely, right? Like Republicans winning big political races is really unlikely because of the, you know, manipulation of systems. Um, I just, I just wonder, man, you know, should the, the, where, 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 where would my, I'm not, it's a weird question. I'm not asking you to. Right. No, I understand. You know, I'm not asking, Hey, if I believe in God, will God suddenly step in and fix all this? I know that's not the case, but I'm, I, me personally, I've been struggling to find, you know, I have no faith in my own political party. That was the one guiding, those, those were the guiding principles right? That's what, that's what guides my morality. That's what guides my ethics is my conservatism. The conservative party isn't that anymore. So this would be my answer to that. And it's sort of a religious answer and it's, I mean, it kind of is, but so it was either Augustine or Aquinas. I think it was St. Augustine, St. Augustine who talked about lack of faith and, um, when you feel like God isn't there, when you don't have faith, it's not, it's like a light in a dark room. And if you don't see the light, it's not that, or a candle burning in a dark room. And it's not that the candle's not burning. It's that you've turned away from that candle, that the light is still there. You just have to turn back towards it. And that's how he addressed a, a specific question of loss of faith. Is that that faith, it's not that God isn't there or that faith isn't there. You simply have to turn back towards it. And I mean, in sort of in that same vein, I would say the same thing about the Republican Party, that I know that it's hard to see it right now because things are so sort of off the rails. And I fully believe that a huge part of that is that the leader of your party for full, for four years was not a Republican and that 
you know, somebody that people still want to look to as the leader of your party is Donald Trump. He is not a Republican. Yep. So those he principles, proved, by the way, we're going to bet to talk about it, but he proved that tonight. But I've just two uh, hours ago, the the beliefs and the principles and sort of the that undergirding strength that made you believe in your party to begin with, that's still there. But I think so that the much things- of it. Yes. Yeah, so much of it was the morality and the ethics that that I, I get it. They're they're most likely morality and ethics that come from, you know, Christianity and Catholicism. And right. they're part of my life. So, you know, part of my life, obviously, has been guided by some right. spiritual guidance regardless. But my party's lost that. And because my party's lost that, it feels like I've lost some right. of that. But I feel like it's still there and there are still strong members in the party that believe in those things. And the party, I feel like, just has to be wrestled away from the, the I don't even know the word, I'm trying not to be offensive, but be wrestled away from those, the, the fakes, like the, the people who aren't true Republicans to get it back on track. Yeah. Yeah. The carpetbaggers. Yes. Well, maybe that has to start. It's got to start somewhere. Maybe that has to start with me. Maybe I should. And yet it's all grassroots, right? Look back toward the light, as Thomas said. Um, Anyway, whatever. Back to what you believed in, back to why you believed in it to be. But I think this is an important conversation because I think a lot of people feel the way that you do. And but yeah, exactly that. I think that you need to dig deep and figure out why you believed in your party to begin with and get that back. Yeah. Take it back from the And I think that, and Tulsi got away from this too, I think that we have to remember that we as a society are losing a cultural war that's been being waged for decades by China. Yes. It's not, I don't believe that it's Jesus and God being taken taken out of our society that we've fallen prey to. It is this well-planned, well-executed cultural war that's been waged against us. And, you know, you and I have talked about it until we're blue in the face and people will not get the fuck off of TikTok. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's, oh, you're the, our government is talking right. about, go ahead. No, you're absolutely right. Uh, Our government is talking about taking TikTok away from us because folks won't get the fuck off of it because it is a war. It is a a tool being used against us. Yeah. We've watched in real time as, as morality has devolved. Right. As a direct result of, of, you know, teenagers being encouraged to go on TikTok half naked and shake their asses. Right. All right. Let's move on. Let's talk about, um, Let's talk about Donald Trump, shall we? Let's do it. And I guess as I uh, as I said what I said, you know what, we'll go through it the way I wanted to. Rumor has it that Donald Trump will be indicted and arrested tomorrow. I think it's gone beyond a rumor at this point, Danielle, because law enforcement has been having conversations that involve the Secret Service about how to handle this arrest. And that the Washington police or Washington, D.C., whatever it is, have warned that it will quite probably be dangerous to actually just go out and arrest Donald Trump and put him in handcuffs. And that possibly there's a better way to do it, which is to allow the Secret Service to handle it and to deal with his arraignment, get him to his arraignment and deal with it. Okay. 
anyway, this all stems from, <laughs> this all stems over a payment to a porn star, a little bit of what they call hush money to a porn star. And the, the way this money was recorded in financial ledgers that have led to two felony charges being leveled at uh, Donald Trump by a prosecutor in New York, a prosecutor who was uh, individually, his campaign was funded by George Soros. I misread Donald Trump's tweet the other day and assumed that Trump was saying that the DA's office was funded by Soros. He was talking about the prosecutor himself, whose campaign was. And yes, this is uh, one of the prosecutors, one of these woke DAs that was elected around the country who got campaign financing from George Soros. This is a man who has added things like home invasion to the list of crimes he won't prosecute. This is a man who won't prosecute aggravated assault in New York City. It's no, right. no wonder crime has skyrocketed, by the way. But this is a man who will absolutely prosecute a, whatever you want to call it, a hush money payment between Donald Trump via, uh, via a, a third party to, um, to Stormy Daniels, the former porn star. People make... We're going to go to Alan Dershowitz in a second. We're not, we don't have him on the show. I have a clip. Wish we did oh have God, him on the imagine? show. Can you imagine? Yeah. But we're going to go to a clip from Dershowitz in a second who talks about this. But these payments are made every single day, right? They're made by governments make these pay. Our, my local county government pays people off. A lawsuit comes. They, they make a settlement and there's an NDA attached to it. That's hush money. It's perfectly legal. There is no crime. The problem for Donald Trump arises with the fact that he was running for office when he made the payment. And so this DA is um, trying to manipulate the facts around this to imply that this hush money was intended as a bribe to fool the American public, which which would in fact be a crime, rather than a husband paying a, a dalliance to keep her mouth shut so that his wife doesn't find out, right? But the thing is, you have to be a mind reader in order to, to prove motive here. This DA is not a mind reader. So what they've done is taken what could potentially have been a felony, an illegal payoff would have violated campaign finance rules. Then they've looked a bit deeper and said, okay, well, he gave this money to Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen was the third party who gave the money to Stormy Daniels. That's an attempt to hide the payment. And then they they logged the payment as reimbursement of expenses rather than putting in their ledger, hush money to porn star, right? That would be a misdemeanor, but because they're, they're trying to tie it to what they believe is a felony campaign finance violation, they're trying to bump that up to the level of felony. 
They are literally creating crimes. Let's hear from Alan Dershowitz. He can explain this a lot better than I can. This is from his... Um, this is from his uh, visit with Megyn Kelly. Yes, I still watch Megyn Kelly. Love her to death. It seems that Look, nobody in, in their right mind would believe that Bragg would be going after John Smith or even John Edwards on a case like this. It's obviously an example of Get Trump. And it's so, so dangerous. And it asks the wrong question to ask, is he technically guilty of a violation? I don't know the answer to that question. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I want to tell you how dangerous this is by reading a brief quote from probably the greatest attorney general in America's history, uh, Justice Robert Jackson, who served as the chief prosecutor at Nuremberg and then was the attorney general of the United States. With the law books filled with a great assortment of crimes, a prosecutor has a fair chance of finding at least a technical violation of some act on the part of almost anybody. In such a case, it's not a question of discovering the commission of a crime and then looking for the person who committed it. It's a question of picking the man and then searching the law books or putting investigators to work to pin some offense on him. Could there be a better description of what Bragg has done, what is going on in Georgia, what Letitia James did when she ran for office on the campaign promise to get Trump. This is the worst kind of danger to justice. You know, as Lavrenti Beria once said to Stalin, I don't want to make comparisons to the Soviet Union, but he said, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. And that's what's mm -hmm. going on with Trump. Is this what it's come to? The, the most likely indictment against Trump is going to be a, for a misdemeanor on his record keeping? Well, first of all, it's not even a misdemeanor to pay hush money and to try to keep it secret. That's what hush money is. Many prominent people have paid hush money over the years. Uh, what turns it into a felony is if this was designed to cover up an unlawful campaign contribution. And this combination of statutes has never previously been used, as far as I know. And it's not the job of the criminal law to create new crimes. And I can't understand how you can combine these two statutes and turn turn a non-crime into a misdemeanor. It's not a crime to pay us money. Then they turn it into a misdemeanor and then they turn the misdemeanor into a felony simply in an effort to to get Trump. And it might work. This is probably one of the greatest legal minds of my lifetime. Oh, yeah. And he himself can't figure out how this how is this a crime this this is purely manufactured let's let him finish up then we're going to talk some more about this because you can indict a ham sandwich as we know and so there can be an indictment in new york you can probably convict trump of anything so let me offer this so just to clarify so that the viewers understand where we are so they're going to say you misrecorded the reasons why you right. paid Michael Cohen those monies. That, that that was not legal fees. That was to reimburse the $130 hush money. And the hush money itself was illegal. That was, a that was the underlying felony that makes your sloppy record keeping go from a misdemeanor to a felony because you were covering up a felony. So in other words, we can get you on the bookkeeping if it was to co uh, cover up a felony. And we're going to allege that you committed a felony by paying hush money to Stormy Daniels. And the only way we can get you on that is to prove it wasn't just to avoid embarrassment or getting in trouble with Melania. It was to win you the election. So this is the long logic of Alvin Bragg, the DA in Manhattan. This, this is the kind of 
this isn't a justice system maneuvering taking place here. This is a political maneuvering taking place here. And quite frankly, I don't think Bragg gives a shit whether they get a prosecution. They want the optics of Donald Trump being arrested. This is the kind of thing that we see play out in banana republics all around the planet. For Alan Dershowitz, the what the Felix Frankfurter, the Felix Frankfurter professor of law at Harvard, like he's a Yale educated Harvard law professor, a con law, the con law expert to say yeah. that he's never seen these statutes strung together before. Right, right. And this guy, Dershowitz, doesn't like Trump. In fact, in that same interview, in that same interview, he said it's not up for it's not for up to his political opponents to get to decide whether I have the option to not vote for him a third time. Because he said, "I, I will never vote for Donald Trump, but I want the option to not vote for him a third time. Right. We're seeing banana republic tactics take place all across America. It's not just in New York. He's right. What's going on here with the with the grand jury in Georgia and that juror that's been on a media tour who is now coming under fire for her, I mean, kind of wackadoodle ways, to be honest with you. This is a this is a political witch hunt. Donald Trump said it. And and people think, including Jake Kukin who's in the chat right now, people think that if Donald Trump is in fact arrested, which I imagine he will be, people think that if Trump gets arrested, he's going to get reelected as president. I don't know the answer to that. None of us does. Um, you know, I think a Republican has a good chance of winning as long as uh, Republicans get on board with ballot harvesting. As long as they don't do that, they're never going to win an election, period. It will be impossible. And again, ballot harvesting is legal in many states. It needs to be, in my opinion, needs to be legalized in all states. And uh, Republicans need to get into the uh, into a heavy harvesting game. But here's the thing. If Donald Trump's reelected... I'm no fan. Everyone knows I'm not a fan of Donald Trump. Right. Right. I'm not a fan of him. And I'll t- I can I can give you from just two hours ago or a couple of hours before the show started tonight. Donald Trump went on to Truth Social and he said this. Ron DeSanctimonious is dropping in the polls so fast that he soon may be falling behind young Vivek Ramaz, whatever, Ramaswamy. I don't know who that is. People are beginning to find out that Ron wanted to destroy Social Security and raise its minimum age to at least 70. He also has strong plans for cutting Medicare and still does. Nothing good happens when you're the disciple of super rhino Paul Ryan. That's Donald Trump, candidate for Republican nominee for president of the United States attacking a conservative Republican for wanting to reform social programs. If Donald Trump gets reelected, he's getting reelected by the wrong fucking people. 
Right. Any anyone with any conservative principles would look at that tweet and say, yeah, "Who's what is who's, he arguing? Who's this Democrat? Who's this Democrat attacking Ron DeSantis?" Right. That's the. <laughs> That's the front runner in the Republican Party's race for president of the United States. Espousing socialist Democrat mantra. Ignoring the fact that Ron DeSantis is right and that we have to reform Social Security in order to save Social Security. We have to reform Medicare. In order to save Medicare, we right. have we have to raise the retirement age, or we keep pumping trillions of dollars of debt back into the treasury. We're going to lose the dollar as the reserve currency. The dollar is not going to be worth what it was worth before. With interest rates the way they are, our debt is going to be worth. It's going to cost us a whole lot more than the $30 trillion it's currently at. We used to be a party that understood this. And this goes all the way back to my, I don't know, spiritual dilemma right now, Danielle. Right. The fact that so many in my party look at this guy as the savior of the party and don't question him when he says things like that. They just, I've been guilty of it. I've been guilty of Trump saying things and me just brushing them off, compromising my conservative principles because he was the president and he was the leader of my party. He's not anymore. And he right. doesn't he have was, to be again. Exactly. He was what we had at the time, so you had to deal with it. But he's not what we have now. I shouldn't have to compromise my conservative principles once again for Donald Trump, especially Look, especially when he's writing it and posting it publicly for every conservative to read, that he has no conservative principles whatsoever. This man has one goal. That goal is to get elected. That's it. And if he gets elected, he's being elected by the wrong people for the wrong reason. Because a conservative principle right now would not vote for Donald Trump. And it, it just, it tears me apart at the seams to think that my party is going to have to go through this again. And that good, principled conservatives are going to get destroyed by Donald Trump's scorched earth tactics. And right. that if Ron, and that if a, a, a true principled conservative like Ron DeSantis decides to run in 2024, chances are he'll never have the opportunity to run, which is why I want DeSantis to wait until 2028 to, and hope that Trump is off the, off the board entirely and that he never considers running again. And that Ron DeSantis will be able to run. And in that instance, he will be running unopposed because there is no other conservative right now that comes close to the, the principles of Ron DeSantis. 
And yet we're right now, we're seriously considering Donald Trump again. And I Right. The intern brought up a good question. Who would even run with him? Who would be his running mate? I don't know. He'll find someone. Right. He'll find someone. I just hope it doesn't get to that point. I hope that, that conservative Republicans claim back their values. I hope that I hope that I'm able to I don't think I ever really let my principles go, but I certainly did compromise them for the sake of Donald Trump over and over. And I'm tired. I don't want to have to do it again because I will have to, if he is the president, that's not to say I would cut him any slack, but you know what I'm saying? It, it, you cut him a lot of slack. I did cut him a lot of slack. Um, but I, but I'm I, not cutting you any slack. I know. I, I, I had to compromise my own principles in order to do it. And I don't want to have to, I don't want to do it right. again. I don't want to do it again. And it just, it, it's, it's, I, I don't want to be over dramatic about it, but it's this, this whole crisis of faith right now in my own party, in, in, in morality, in ethics, in, in conservatism in general, because if this guy's successful again, what does that do to conservative values as a whole across the board. Do we suddenly become the party of, yeah, let's just throw as much money at the problem as is as as we need to and push the problem down the road? Do we become that? Well, and I feel like if if this is if he is the answer, then you know, it's also sort of throwing like just flash and shock and awe at a problem instead of dealing with it because that's Donald Trump. How you know, can like, he, how can he be the answer to conservatives? Right. How, how can somebody post that and still be taken serious as a conservative? We're going to get into his authoritarianism probably on Thursday and, and again, once again, I'm going to use his own words. I don't have to make things up about Donald Trump. I can simply use his own words. And we're going to, we're going to, I'm going to get a video over the next couple of days. And I'm going to, I am going to edit it down to, to the parts that I think are important when it comes to conservative principles and conservative values. And people will be able to hear for them, themselves that this man is no conservative. But I don't, I don't, it, it won't make any difference, Danielle. Right. He's such a personality. I said the other day, he's turning me around. This, this same, this same video that I'm going to play for our audience on Thursday. Parts of the, parts of the video have me saying, fuck yes. And other parts have me saying, oh, dear God, no. All in one five-minute video. Maybe I won't edit it. Maybe I'll just play the whole thing, and we can we can comment along with it the same way. Okay, we're, yeah, we'll let's be do that. Ape, Effectively, we'll be aping what David Foster did, but David loves us, so who cares? Yeah. We'll ape Probably David right. Foster. Maybe we'll do that, and I think people will be right there with us. Fuck yes, and then oh god. <laughs> well. I mean, and I think that's the plan is to get is he's a rabble rouser that he wants yeah. to get people so like riled up that they miss the oh Jesus yeah. part. 
Yeah. But, but there are days when he just brings me back around and I'm like, yes, this is the guy. And then there are days when I'm like, oh, God, no. Now I remember. Yeah. A and week he's ago, a master at it. A week ago, you were, oh, he's, um, um, he's winning me over. He's, a, he's masterful at it. He's He'll a have master me. manipulator. And between now and November of 2024, I'm going to be a fucking roller coaster. Add to it the economy collapsing. I'm going to be a fucking mess. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, basket case. Yeah. We're out of time. We're out of time. Let's get out of here. Didn't Y'all even get to talk s- about trannies. That Thursday. We're doing a tranny update Thursday okay. for sure. It's a big one. It's an important one. Y'all, thank you so much for tolerating us this evening. We love you. We appreciate you. We'll see you out there. We'll be Thanks, back guys. Thursday. Love you. Bye, friend. Bye.